everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Yes, everything in the entire world is racist, and nobody puts the burden of that racism on themselves harder than our favorite all-time victim, Ms. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Today, a bipartisan group of politicians is putting together a uh, new gun law, as you may have heard, and AOC naturally had a few opinions on that, and you'd think that she'd probably like it because it's you know, going after her Second Amendment rights, but no, not when everything is racist, oh no. Here's what journalist Eric Michael Garcia talked with her about today. AOC tells me she is worried about the criminalization in the gun framework, quote, particularly the juvenile criminalization and the background and expansion of background checks into juvenile records. After Columbine, they hired thousands of police officers into schools. And while it didn't prevent many of the mass shootings that we've seen now, it has increased the criminalization of teens and communities like mine because what people are blaming on mental health are really deeper issues of, of violent misogyny and, and white supremacy? Ah, bipartisan gun control legislation that could open up future doors for even more authoritarian manipulation by the left. And this woman still has to screech racism to high heaven. I, I swear, her commitment to the bit at this point is honestly almost inspiring. In fact, I look forward to the day that the confiscation of all guns from all Americans becomes her next trigger point, because if we've learned anything. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Stu does America. Yes, get it in your life right now. BlazeTV.com. Go to BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. Save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Dan Andros is here to discuss Twitter's war on our own Ali Beth Stuckey. Lizzo makes a real spaz out of herself over song lyrics. But we start by doing the risks of bipartisanship. Yes, the bipartisanship. Gun, the, the gun bill is here. And it's bipartisan. Therefore, we must celebrated. Of course, anything that's bipartisan usually sucks. And that's a lesson that people don't typically gather. Uh, at least on a controversial issue, it usually sucks. It usually means one side is getting most of what they want, and a few in the middle are saying, I guess we'll give you everything that you want. We'll get into the details of this in just a second, but let me give you the 10 names of the Republicans who are on board with this. I mean, I'll tell you this, just looking at this list, I would trade all 10 of them for one toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell. All 10, bye-bye. Give me one chalupa, we'll move on running the country. That's just my trade, you know, you may have, maybe that's too much for you, maybe take half a chalupa. Uh, John Cornyn in Texas, who I'm starting to come to the conclusion is the worst senator in the Senate. And the reason why I say that is not because he's, he votes worse than, you know, Chuck Schumer. It's because he's in Texas. And we could have a good senator in Texas. Why do we have the crappiest Republican in Texas? It makes absolutely no sense. I don't know what Chad Prather's up to in a few years, but, you know, get the campaign wheels running here, Chad. Come on, get it going. Um, Tom Tillis, another one in North Carolina. Just, ugh. Roy Blunt in Missouri. Rob Portman retiring from Ohio. Uh, Burr from North Carolina. Mitt Romney. You knew it was coming. 
You, it was, it's an annoying bill. You knew Mitt Romney's name was going to be on it. Uh, Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, ugh. Uh, Lindsey Graham, who I remind you, sucks. People are like, oh no, Lindsey Graham, I heard him say something nice about Donald Trump once. Don't fall for that nonsense. He sucks. Lindsey Graham used to be my example for America's worst senator before I gave it to John Cornyn. Uh, you know, and again, that's because you could have somebody good in South Carolina. You don't have to deal with Susan Collins. Susan Collins is in Maine. The fact that she ever votes with Republicans, you kind of take, that's all gravy, honestly. Uh, you know, she's like, she gets like 11% from, from uh, conservative organizations. You're like, hey, that's 11% more than Chuck Schumer gets. Congratulations. I mean, Lindsey Graham sucks. He does this all the time. He really does suck. Just just pointing that out. And Pat Toomey, who would be the one guy in this list who I would say is actually a good senator. He just sucks on the gun issue. He's sucked on the gun issue the whole time. Everything else, he's generally speaking, pretty halfway decent. And again, he's in a purple state where it's not always easy to win. You, you take Pat Toomey and you say, okay, well, he's, he's good on the economy. He's good on a bunch of stuff. He's just not great on guns. You, you live with it, I guess. But he's leaving anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Dr. Oz, maybe. I don't wonder what Dr. Oz is. Does anyone have any idea? What is Dr. Oz's opinion on the Second Amendment? I know he used to not like it very much back in the day and was for a lot of left-wing policies on that. But I hope he's changed his mind. I hope uh, Donald Trump has nailed this one because he's the candidate and I really do hope he wins because the Senate control, very, very important. Um, I will say the bipartisan gun bill is not the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario would have been basically what the House passed, which was all sorts of crazy restrictions. You don't have an assault weapons ban in this thing. You don't have um, an AR-15 ban. You don't have uh, a, uh, and by the way, AR-15, doesn't, it doesn't stand for assault rifle 15. Like there was 14 other assault rifles before this. Uh, assault rifle doesn't really mean much of anything. Um, modern sporting rifle is a better term. You get a bunch of guns in there, not just the AR-15. But the AR-15 is the one everyone seems to always want to talk about. You also uh, don't have the raising the age to 21. Uh, some of the things that the, the, the uh, universal background checks are not on here. A lot of the things that the left, you know, in their fever dreams thinks they're going to get after every terrible incident that they try to take advantage of is not in this bill. And this is kind of what makes it dangerous. I want to go kind of through step by step what is in here and how it came together and what the real goal is. And I want you to stay with me because the last clip I'm going to pay, play, uh, play you not only tells you exactly what the left is trying to do, but also what you need to do what I need to do, what we all need to do with this list once this is all over, okay? We'll get to that in a second. The bipartisan gun bill. Let's start with school security resources. I came up with a, a scale here uh, between nonsense and common sense. Is this a common sense gun deal or is it complete and utter nonsense? And just to, before we, I, I, re, I talk about this particular topic, I went at this with the most generous rating system I could come up with. And the reason I did it that way is because we don't have any of the details of these things. They're just like a sentence or two describing them conceptually. So I'm going to take it like best case scenario, what could we get out of this if this was passed? Is it completely a disaster or is it uh, you know common sense? This would be a good move. Let's go through some of this. Uh, school security resources. This is, hey, maybe there's, uh, I would take that 
as something relatively good. It's something that we've talked about over and over again as a way to push back against a possible mass shooting at a school. You add security resources, you uh, harden the schools. This is a sort of a Republican wishing, uh, a, a, a Republican wish, right? As a Republican talking point saying, hey, you know, why don't we harden the schools? Maybe add some security, maybe, you know, come up with some sort of security plan. God forbid if one of these incidents uh, happens. For example, don't leave doors unlocked all over the campus. Do the things that you can do. So that could, I mean, again, the details, the devil's in the details, but that's not necessarily a bad proposal. This one is maybe a little controversial, but I think maybe not. Um, enhanced review process for under 21 buyers. I put this one on our scale from zero to five, five being common sense, zero being nonsense. I put this one at a four. And some people would say, wait a minute, enhanced security, that doesn't, I don't know, enhanced review process, that sounds bad. What they're saying it is, though, I think most people would agree with. Now, you know and I know that Republicans and Democrats alike all don't want people who have been in mental asylums for years at a time buying guns. You know, that's been a, that's a Republican talking point, right? It's like saying, hey, guys, you know, we need to do a better job with mental health to make sure that we weed out the people who have had violent tendencies in the past, that have maybe spent time in mental health facilities, have already gone through all this. There needs to be some, we need to be aware of that. Well, as they explain current law, and this is different from state to state, but current law, they say the background check system does not catch someone who theoretically went to a mental health institution when they were 17 for violent tendencies and then on their 18th birthday went to go buy a gun because it did not look into the juvenile history. Now we all would, you know, it already takes place with background checks where you look into the uh, adult history, but they don't let you look into the juvenile history. This would expand that to from between 18 and 21, you could still look at the juvenile history. That is not a crazy idea. Again, will it be abused? Of course it will, but we're not looking at that right now. We're just looking at on, on its face, on its surface, how crazy is it? And I think we'd like to know if someone is 17 years old and has major, major problems and it is in an institution, walks out of the institution on their 18th birthday and goes to, you know, uh, a gun store. All right, by, uh, how about mental health and telehealth investment? This one uh, is a three on our scale, right in the middle. It's in the middle, why? Well, because this is something that I think we all understand should be a focus of this. Should there be a focus on mental health? Should there be a way for someone who's in a mental health crisis to get the treatment that they need? Yes, I think we all would agree with that. Uh, that would be great. We do have a you know, miserable mental health uh, system here in the United States. It does not work. It's a catastrophe in 100 million ways. But what I will say is we don't have the money to spend on any of this crap. So, you know, yes, I think more focus on this would be good. Should it come from the government? Should we be spending more money on it? That's why it's the middle of the road. But again, we have no real detail on it. How about a federal law against gun trafficking and straw purchasing? This I put in the middle as well. And again, this is a generous reading of this. And the reason why I leave it that way is straw purchasing is already illegal, right? Like there's a lot of this stuff that they're just doubling up on and make them making federal laws where you can't make them. You can't make straw purchases anyway for people. That's, and a straw purchase, in case you don't know the, the terminology, is basically like, you know, 
Jeffy, who's obviously a criminal, comes to me and says, hey, I need a gun. And I go buy a gun and just give it to Jeffy. Like, you can't do that. Everybody knows you can't do that. It's already illegal. What this law would do would make it, I guess, extra illegal. But it wouldn't necessarily um, you know, trample on, on your rights until the inevitable abuse that is coming uh, down the road. Next up, you have closing of the boyfriend loophole. That one we have at a three as well on our zero to five scale from nonsense to common sense. Uh, This one, again, has elements that I think would be understandable to most people. The concept being, okay, if you are convicted, and that's an important an important phrase here, convicted of domestic abuse, you can't go buy a gun. Now, of course, this is something that already exists in the law. And you might say, well, wait a minute. uh, Why aren't we doubling up here? What they call the boyfriend loophole is basically if you are a domestic abuser in a marriage, you can't buy a gun. But if you're a domestic abuser in a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship and you don't live together, you uh, you can buy a gun. This is the loophole they're trying to close. Now, again, abuse is rampant on these things. Uh, uh, Dana Lash, a friend of ours, of course, uh, has uh, talked about how they're not even specific if it's a a sexual relationship or not. Like it can just be someone, you know, it could be a friend. There's all sorts of crazy ways that this could be abused and which is why it's a bad idea. Uh, But in theory, you can understand why just because you're not married to someone you shouldn't necessarily fall out of the line of this law. And by the way, and this is, a, this is not in the bipartisan gun bill, um, my proposal to America is we just let Dana Lash decide. Like, we just say, hey, Dana, this is a good idea, and we just let her put in all the gun laws in the entire country. Now, you might say, uh, I don't think the left is going to go for that, and I don't, I, I, uh, don't care uh, if they go for it or not. I just want to, I'm saying I want to do it. So whatever she says, I'm totally fine with, frankly, uh, but... That's just a a side proposal, not in the bipartisan gun bill. How about uh, clarifying the definition of a federally licensed firearm dealer? This one I put as really close to nonsense. One of the reasons I put it as as only a two on our scale uh, from nonsense to common sense is that they put absolutely no detail. It's just like one sentence. We want to make sure we get all the commercial sales. And then they looked really shady, shifty-eyed back and forth a bunch of times and then walked off stage. Um, we don't know what that is. It certainly stinks of someone saying they're going to try to expand background checks into rule and into areas where we're uncomfortable with as Second Amendment supporters. Um, we don't know that yet. Uh, You know, you try to make someone who is selling one gun into a uh, firearm dealer and you can you can basically pass the universal background check without uh, without passing it. And that is one of the reasons why uh, this one's really like this is one of the most I'm most suspicious about this one. They're not giving you any detail. And it doesn't seem like it's certainly not a major problem. You know, I mean, we know this you know, as we've covered on we covered on our gun special. Go back and watch it from a couple of weeks ago. Stu debunks gun myths. Um, only 1.3 percent, 1.3 percent of criminals get their guns through commercial retail transactions. That's not where they get them. It's not where they get them. So these laws often mean nothing. They're just different ways to reach into your pocketbook of rights and start helping themselves. And when that we don't want uh, last one, I'll give you is red flag laws. Now, red flag laws, I gave it a one on the scale from nonsense to common sense. And there, there's a reason why I didn't give it a zero, which 
<laughs> I was tempted to give it a zero. Obviously, there's some understanding. We understand that red flag laws, there are people who fall into this crazy, you know, um, they, they may be a danger to themselves or others, and you'd love to prevent them from getting a gun. The problem, of course, is due process. You have to commit a crime before you're convicted of a crime. You don't just, the punishment doesn't come before you do something wrong. That's not how our society works, and that's why it's a major problem. A couple of reasons why I didn't put it as a zero. It is not a federal law. So what they're doing basically is bribing states to do it. They're saying, we're going to put up a bunch of money. If you pass a red flag law, we'll give you a bunch of money uh, to, uh, to implement it. Now, what that does prevent you against is making it a nationwide thing. I mean, Texas isn't going to pass a, a, a statewide red flag law. I don't think they will. There are some conservatives who argue, yeah, you know, you should do this. David French, who, you know, has been more uh, talked about recently for his, you know, more anti-Trump types of stances. Um, it, it has, but, you know, he's been arguing for this for a while. Uh, there have been some who have pointed out like, hey, look, it's kind of similar. Red flag law works like this. In case you don't know, basically, you know, I think Jeffy should not have a gun. I go to the court and I say, hey, this guy's really dangerous. He should absolutely not have a gun. Uh, he's got five of them and I'm really worried. And so in theory, if I can convince uh, the judge of this, again, this sort of kangarooish court, uh, they can go take Jeffy's guns, which that I would that particular thing I would advocate for, of course. Uh, they take Jeffy's guns and they hold them until they have a some sort of hearing to see if Jeffy's really a danger to himself. And if, if they deem he is, I guess he doesn't get them back. I, so this is, uh, it's, it's, it's backwards. It's not the way our legal system works. Some people have pointed out it's kind of like an arrest, right? You get arrested at first, you're put into a cell, and then they give you charges a couple days later. If you narrowly crafted it in some way, maybe you could come up with something here. Number one, it would be completely abused. And number two, more importantly, it's not constitutional. I mean, Dana Lashley herself has also made this point. This is not a constitutional procedure here. You need due process for a constitutional right to be taken away. This is not like, do you are you able to go... Uh, get your toasted cheddar chalupa at Taco Bell. This is a constitutional right. Now, I would support an amendment for, uh, for toasted uh, cheddar chalupas, personally. I've, I've, I've advocated for that many, many times. There's another special. I go back and find it. Stu does toasted cheddar chalupas, in which I advocate for that quite clearly. But it so far has not been implemented, to my chagrin. So there you go. That's everything that's, that's in there. And this is kind of the thing that you see. Doing something is always important, doing something. Are we doing something here? Well, doing something doesn't mean do something because there have been tons of gun control laws passed in states all over the country. It's not doing something if you do it in a state to the left. It's doing something only if it's federal. And there's been lots of federal stuff that has been done to address this as well, but it wasn't gun control. So it's gotta be federal and it's gotta be gun control. That's doing something. Uh, so uh, partially this is doing something. And, you do, you know, we made fun of AOC at the beginning of this, but when these gun laws are implemented and the people getting caught with guns and being punished with guns are people who are adjacent to gangs, young teenagers who are influenced by their older brothers who are in gangs, and they're the ones uh, in inner cities who are being arrested on these things, all of these people who are pushing for these laws are going to tell you those laws are racist. That's what they're going to do. They're going to say they're disproportionately affecting African-American communities, and they're going to tell you they are racist. That's where we're going here. Get ready for it. Um, I want to tell you about who put this together, though. This is an interesting part of the story, and I think it's the most important start part. Chris Murphy. Chris Murphy, you know, you talk about senators that do things. Chris Murphy, Connecticut Democrat, 
Uh, they also have Richard Blumenthal, who's a Connecticut Democrat, who's absolutely terrible. So he, uh, but Murphy has, a, his approach here is a little scary. I want them to go the AOC approach. I want them to say every Republican wants children dead. That's what I want them to say, because that's never going to do anything. It's never going to influence anybody. Chris Murphy basically went to Republicans and said, hey, what do you want to do? We'll pass pretty much anything you want. And you got those moderate Democrat Republicans to say, well, we wouldn't mind uh, maybe a red flag law or something like that. How about that? And Chris Murphy's like, uh, yeah, sure. I want to hear give you uh, wh- where this goes. OK, this is the goal. This is how this works. First, what he's doing here, Chris Murphy, is called progressivism. It's something that's been going on for a long time. Listen to him describe it. What I know is that. No great social change movement in this country got everything they wanted in the first bill they passed. Look at the marriage equality movement. The first thing that happened in the marriage equality movement was just the simple right of gay couples to be able to adopt. Now, folks could have said, that's not gay marriage. We're not supporting that. We're not supporting anything until we get everything. But once that change passed, it made other changes possible. It all of a sudden convinced opponents that there was political benefit to coming to the table and supporting more rights for gay couples. And it got us to the point eventually where we were able to pass marriage equality laws all around the country and get a constitutional change. I just know that if you study great social change movements, making the first change, right, breaking the logjam is often what allows you, is almost universally what allows you to make all the other changes. And I think that this bill in and of itself is worth supporting. If we never passed another bill, we should pass this bill because it will save lives. But that's not how this is going to work. This will allow us to build bigger coalitions, to get more Republicans willing to support changes in the future. Is this about common sense gun control? When you hear that description, they, it's, a little, it's a little step on a longer path. That's progressivism, though. You understand that. But there's another part of this that's really, really important. I think this is the most important thing of this entire segment, this entire monologue, and maybe this entire issue. Listen to him describe what they're trying to do with this bill. And tell me it does not make you want to take action and do something when it comes to your politics. Listen. This is the broader mythology about gun laws, which is that if you vote for them, you are going to lose politically. That is not true. I mean, the mythology all dates to the 1994 election. President Clinton, after that election, made a statement to suggest that it was the assault weapons ban that led to the losses in the 1994 midterms. And so why I think getting this done is so critical is not just because the provisions will save lives, but also because by showing Republicans that the political sky does not fall when you vote for common sense gun safety measures, we will actually make it much more possible that we'll be able to pass further Mm. measures down the line. You have to get that first step done. You have to prove that theory of political harm wrong in order to be able to do anything else. Got it. Republicans aren't voting for this stuff, not because they don't, they want to protect your Second Amendment rights, but because they're scared you'll vote them out of office. And this bill is designed specifically to make sure Republicans don't feel that way. The sky won't fall if you pass anti-Second Amendment legislation. It is up to you. It is up to me. It is up to all of us that if this goes through, that we teach Republicans a lesson that, yes, their political sky will fall 
It will fall if you vote for this stuff. Yes, there is an opportunity here to make sure everyone does know that, yeah, you're going to be in trouble with your voters. Yes, the sky will fall if you vote for this. It's a lesson that every Republican, whether they're on this stupid list of 10 or not, needs to hear clearly. Listen up. Your sky is about to fall. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with a great real estate agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment, and that's a lot of responsibility. And when you go through all of that, you need an agent that you can trust. You need a real estate agent that you trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place to go to find that person, of course. They work with only the best agents in every market, and they do their homework. They talk to every agent before inviting them to join the network. And here's a big one. They only work with full-time professionals, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Check it out. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find your perfect match. It's like a dating service, except don't, don't, inappropriately touch the real estate agents. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Joining me now is Dan Andros, managing editor of faithwire.com, also host of CBN News Quick Start, new podcast. Make sure you check that out. Subscribe now. Dan, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, I want to start talking about Fox News and the segment they ran which we could show you the footage of it, but honestly, I don't want to because I feel like it's unfair to the child, uh, frankly. But the, the segment was basically a celebration, sort of a puff piece, a Pride Month celebration of a transgendered child who I believe was born as a girl. Uh, they transitioned the girl to a boy, and Fox News is on this same bandwagon you, f you feel like you'd see from... Uh, lots of other like major, major companies these days, but uh, kind of surprising to see it coming from Fox News. And it, it seemed to really anger a, a bunch of people in their audience. Well, yeah, when you think about it, I mean, what would have been acceptable would have been a fair and balanced. I mean, that's the slogan for their network would have been a fair and balanced piece where maybe you interview this family, but then interview someone on the other side talking about the dangers of this and the harms and then leave it there. But this was not that. This was a propaganda piece that was heroic in nature of this family going through this struggle. Um, and it's it was really just kind of a shock to me that they would do that, considering, you know, if however straight Fox wants to try to say they are, and, you know, obviously largely their audience is conservatives, a lot of Christians in there as well. And so you have to think from the perspective of their audience, they've been having this woke stuff, this gender ideology jammed down their throat now for how many years? And then you essentially try to pander to this group that absolutely hates Fox News and hates its viewers and just hates everything about them. What upside is there in this at all? And that's just from a purely just know your audience standpoint. But on, on the other side of that is people in the Fox audience largely, I would think, would view what some of these parents are doing to their kids as harmful to their kids, as going against God's design for them, as being, uh, in some cases, child abuse. And they're proudly showing this as part of their celebrating gay pride. Did, did Fox 
put the rainbow logo on their social media accounts this year? I, I don't know, but but they say that in there. They actually say as part of our, it wasn't just a segment we did. It's as part of celebrating Pride Month. And I know even a lot of conservatives who are gay don't like Pride Month. They're not big fans of Pride Month and the way it goes. So even the conservatives who might be gay in your audience don't want that. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's the most perplexing part of this because we could have seen this segment run on NBC and nobody would bat an eye. I mean, we might be critical no. of it, but it would not be shocking to see it happen on Fox News where, you know, if Fox News is united about anything, it's certainly not against transgendered people, but it is against this wokeness sort of yeah. thing. And I think when you come to you talked about, you know, mentioning it as child abuse, I, I believe some of their hosts have called it just that. Uh, this is not a borderline issue when it comes to the audience or the hosts, and it makes me kind of wonder, is this a, uh, a, a corporate news, uh, news corp sort of uh, Murdoch, you know, um, uh, force down? Or something. Yeah, yeah, like one of those things where like they decided at the top of the corporation, we're all gonna run a bunch of segments celebrating this stuff, and you have no choice. I mean, that's certainly possible in a top-down control. There's been a lot of talk about how the Murdochs maybe are more socially liberal than their, the audience of Fox News. Do you have any idea how this came about? Absolutely no idea. And you would think that, I mean, that seems to be the most plausible case because I don't know how any of the producers, the executive producers, all the levels that that would have to go through to get approved. You would think one of them would say, I don't know if this is going to go over too well with our audience and maybe we should do it this way. That's where you would get the suggestions of having the other side on or having, you know, the warnings out there have Matt Walsh on who just who you just had on probably to promote his documentary. <laughs> right. What is a woman? Yeah. Right. And so uh, do all that stuff. And instead they didn't. And that made it on the air. And it was just uh, yeah, it, it, I, it's inexplicable. And other than somebody at the top who, like you said, might be more socially liberal. That's 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 a good explanation because it's better than any I can come up with. <laughs> you know, I, and, and I really just don't generally like the blank month segments. You know, they oh. do the, you know Black History Month. You, you see the same stuff, and it's like you don't need a month to celebrate Black History. Just tell their stories when they're interesting. You don't need to. I hate that stuff. I just you know the pink socks in the NFL, whatever month that is it's every pan- year. Because it comes across as pandering. We have to do this because yeah. it's this month. It's the old Rush Limbaugh thing where he used to talk about Valentine's Day and saying that it was the worst day because you're only doing it because you're forced to do it as a guy, not because you actually want to go get like flowers from your spouse or girlfriend or whatever. Uh, It's because you're being forced to do it. And it's the same thing with these sorts of mandated months and days. I noticed your hatred there. You didn't even mention if you wanted to get your boyfriend uh, any flowers. And uh, that's we're going to knock you out. You got You got an anti-woke point. Right there, you just accrued, uh, Dan. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, you know, it's. It, I find it to be uh, a very, uh, like, you could tell, like, let's say you had to do this and you wanted to tell a story of Pride Month. Again, I don't know why we're even engaging in this. But, like, <laughs> if you did, you could tell the story of someone like, you know, uh, our friend Riaz Patel, a guy who was on the left. He's, he's gay. He's married. Um, and he came to meet a bunch of conservatives, and he went across the country and found it to be a much more accepting place than, uh, than you might have thought. Right. Like, that's a story that maybe the Fox News viewers would would say, hey, that's great. Like you're you're saying something good about America, even though you're doing a Pride Month segment. This is like, hey, the most extreme thing we can find of a five year old being transitioned in gender and and this lauding 
of this. I, I mean, it's it's sh- it really is legitimately shocking. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that was the thing I was going to point out, too, is it, that we knew you're, you're going to promote instead of find some conservative value in there that would resonate with the audience. You're going to promote these clueless parents who are just going along with this. You know, I know they were earlier on the spectrum, but they're just going along with that virtue of when your kid is three and says something, it's got to be true. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, more, if you're a parent, and you're doing that and you're like taking notes from your three year old. That's backwards. I just want to point that out. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, Ali, our own Ali Stuckey uh, decided to tweet about this. And I think with a really calm, rational tweet said this. I'm stunned that Fox News ran a segment celebrating a girl whose parents transitioned her, her into a boy when she was five because she apparently told them she was a boy, quote, before she could talk. Absolutely maddening and heartbreaking. That tweet got Ali Stuckey suspended from Twitter. Now, after a while, several days, they decided to lift uh, the, the suspension and said, oh, we're so sorry, we made an error. We've heard this a million times before. But like, there really <laughs> the has been, a, yeah, there's always an error. It's always the same direction. It's always against the same target. But like, there has been a real change, I think, with social media where you know, there was a time where just you know, maybe calling people nasty names or being harassing would get you thrown off. And there was questions as to whether uh, that was the right thing to do or not. Uh, now it's just like any, any, any criticism at all, any any stepping out of line with the mob and you're toast. I mean, people are begging for Elon Musk to show yeah. up. Well, it's the, it's the language wars, too. And I know you and I talk about this a lot, but um, the left has mastered this art of working language to their advantage. So they've set the ground now by saying any that all of these things, X, Y and Z, if you say this, if you misgender, it's all very harmful to transgenders. So. They've been spending years now tilling that ground. And so now when somebody comes out on Twitter and just criticizes, well, you're harming. So so they've they've convinced everyone now that all of these things are, quote unquote, harmful, not not actually mutilating your own body. Right. That that advice isn't harmful. Irreversible surgeries and breast reduction and and all of those kinds of surgeries that that go on with trans the transgender movement. None of that is harmful. But if you speak something even remotely disagreeing with it, they've defined that as harmful. And that is what is insidious about these language games is because they do it over and over and over. They repeat it. They pressure people. They bully them. And they say, well, people are killing themselves because of this and this and this and misgendering. Uh, when you could make the case that a lot of the problems that transgenders face is because they're going against God's design for their actual own body the way they were designed. And they're looking for fulfillment in these gender ideologies, and they're not going to find it. They are absolutely not going to find it, and they're going to be left more despair and more uh, depressed than they were beforehand. No one ever talks about that. You're not even allowed to say that. This show probably just got canceled for saying that right now. <laughs> Thanks a so, lot. Yeah. yeah, I know. Sorry about that. I was going to say, you actually probably got canceled while you were reading Ali Stuckey's tweet. <laughs> They probably just said, oh, delete them. <laughs> probably true. Well, if any of you who can hear us, I want to talk about a different uh, kind of transition. <laughs> this one in particular, uh, Phil Mickelson's transition from PGA golfer to live golfer. Um, <laughs> this has been a fascinating thing. I know you've been following it closely. You're a big fan of, of golf. And the idea that like a major U.S. sports league, the, the, the pride of the world when it comes to golf, could come up with a challenge from an upstart is I think pretty shocking to a lot of people, but like there is a lot of money behind this. 
Yes. And of course, the controversy is that it is the the LIV tour, you know, which stands for 54 because they're playing 54 holes versus 72 in the regular PGA tour is uh, funded by Saudi Arabia and one of their sovereign funds. And so they are Phil Mickelson reportedly got two hundred million dollars in a deal to go there. <laughs> Dustin Johnson got somewhere, I, definitely somewhere around a hundred to two hundred million. I don't remember what I the heard exact number was. For him. I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, but yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, Bryson DeChambeau went there. So I mean, this is just funny money being thrown at these guys. Greg Norman, famous golfer from the '80s and '90s, he uh, is kind of spearheading this whole thing. And it really is interesting because you have a lot of people like they were bringing up, you know, the murder of the journalist that was pinned on the Saudis. I, I forget the guy's name, um, but they they keep bringing that up, which there's a hilarious meme, by the way. One of the golfers hit a fan and they said, well, we've got our first assassination in, uh, <laughs> in the LIV tour. It's a funny meme. Look it up. Um, but uh, but they were pointing that out. And it's like, that's really bad. But where do you draw the line? Because the NBA, even the PGA does business with China. I mean, China's rounding up uh, Muslims and putting them in re-education camps. Hey, China, we all know the whole, and they also unleashed a pandemic on the world. I mean, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of things you can go on with China yeah. <laughs> persecuting Christians. So they're not good either. At what point, where do you draw the line? When, when is it, you are you allowed to engage in some way with a country and when are you not? And remember, Joe Biden's going to Saudi Arabia right now to beg for cheaper oil. So it's, do we cancel him too? Like, I don't know. So on the other hand, I don't know if I do it. I mean, if I'm Phil Mickelson, I've already got hundreds of millions of dollars. Am I going there to get another 200 million? I, I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. Mickelson's spending guys, habits maybe. have been uh, questioned over That's the years true. a little bit. So he, he may have $48 in his bank account at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like Mickelson. He got into some trouble. Try, he, he tried to be honest, right? Like, you know, and he, yeah. I think, realized you're not allowed to be honest. Like he basically said, yeah, the Saudis are kind of nightmares. But the bottom line well, is like I, the guy I, leaked I, it on him. Yeah, the guy leaked it. I mean, he didn't even mean for that comment to be public. So, yeah. And, and like, but he means that's an honest comment. He, he's like, I know yeah. there's questions here, but like, I think it's an exciting opportunity. And it's like, you know, Coca-Cola sells a lot of Coca-Cola, I'm sure, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, if you get if you want to go to Saudi Arabia, you're taking an airline. Those companies are doing business in Saudi Arabia. We obviously buy lots of our oil. We all had, I'm sure, Saudi oil in our cars. We're all doing business in some ways with Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia yeah. is objectively a better country than China. I'm sorry. Like, you know, Saudi Arabia has all sorts of problems. And the Khashoggi assassination is just one of their many, many right. problems. Um, but like, you know, just the pandemic itself is enough for me to say that about China, well, let, let alone let, your human rights abuses. Stu, let's not even go to these other countries. Half of these athletes won't stand for the American flag. Mm. They think America is an abomination. So are, what are you doing in here uh, <laughs> playing in these American leagues? If the standard is government does something human rights abuse that we don't like, and you're here saying that the American government is allowing the slaughter of school children or African-Americans and it's on their watch, it's their fault. How do you how do you square that? Mm. It, it, it doesn't work. And so yeah. it's it's uh, it's one of those things that um, it, it's not as obvious as it seems. And the PGA Tour isn't exactly, like I said, with their ties to China and other places, isn't exactly clean on this. And, and they're really funny about it, by the way. They don't call it the live tour. They call it this the Saudi tour, right. which I think is 
you know, smart counterattack by them. They just keep calling it the Saudi tour even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this is a large part of, in a game, and they've suspended all these golfers. The other part of this, too, is that, like, unlike, you know, people look at this and they say, oh, it's like the USFL coming up against the NFL. There's no way it's going to work. Well, the PGA doesn't do a lot for these guys. Like, I mean, they're not even paying expenses yeah. to these tournaments. Um, so, you know, th- there's a lot that goes into this that makes this a real challenge. Um, but before I, before you go, I, we're really short on time here. I, I got to yeah. ask you, you're wearing the hat. The Boston Celtics yeah. trail 3-2 to the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. You, you've been a huge Celtics fan ever since I've known you. What's going to happen in this series? Well, I'm counting on the NBA. The big joke has been the NBA refs, and so I'm hoping Scott the extender, Scott mm-hmm. Foster, gets brought in to help uh, extend this series. Um, <laughs> but uh, all, all kidding aside, the Celtics, it's a good series, even match. I think the Celtics, um, if they just take care of the ball, are the better team and will win. The problem is they forget how to pass the ball sometimes. I just don't understand it. They throw right to the defender, like the so lazy passes. Anyway, I think the Celtics can do it. Um, they just have to play well, so we'll see. And who, you know, If they're able to do it, I think they can win. I think they can win two in a row. All right, two in a row is what they need. Dan Andros, managing editor of faithwire.com and host of CBN's Quick Start podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to that, to that right now. Get your, uh, get your start to your day going the right way. Dan, thanks for coming on the program. All right, thanks, guys. By the way, I should point out uh, just a little disclaimer here. Um, Nothing I've said today in any way makes me critical of Saudi Arabia as a country. It's important that you know that. And it's important that the Saudi government uh, knows that. And I just want to note that if, you know, my contract runs out at the end of the year here at Studios America. And if you if if you happen to be in the Saudi government, you're looking, you know, to, to pay two hundred million dollars for for this show. I mean, I'm in, I, I have no, I don't, I don't care. I don't care what you're doing to people. Uh, I mean, I, I'll do a country to, you could kill everybody in the country and I'll do it to, to an empty nation. Uh, you want it to be Studa Saudi Arabia. I'm fine. Uh, you want to uh, send me $200 million and you want, you want, you want me to talk about, you know, sand every day. I'm fine with that. Whatever. I don't, you need a daily MERS update. I'll do that. Uh, I will do really pretty much anything. Um, so just, just send me the $200 million. I am completely for sale. Studas Saudi Arabia coming soon to YouTube near you. Well, wokeness is weakness. It's true, you know, and I will say you're never woke enough. And now even Lizzo knows that. Lizzo is a fat black woman. And the reason... That's not, that's not me saying that. Did that seem offensive? Because that's what she says. She says, as a fat black woman in America, <laughs> I've had many hurtful words used against me. So I understand the power words can have. What's the power? Uh, what's the word uh, that is the problem here? Well, you know what? You don't know. If you read the articles about it, it never tells you. Uh, it does say in this article that uh, it is a word that was a derogatory term for a form of cerebral palsy known as known as spastic dysplasia. Now, I think they're referring to the word spaz, which was a word I think in the 80, I remember in the 80s being used among kids to call each other names. Uh, I don't remember it ever being used to describe anyone with cerebral palsy. Uh, but uh, I, maybe that's where it started. I, I don't know. I will say in her statement, it's been brought to my attention that there is a harmful word in my new song, girls. What's offensive to me is she spelled girls G-R-R-R-L-S. That's what's offensive to me. Change that too, Lizzo. Back in a second.
By the way, if you believe wokeness is weakness as well, you can get the mug or the t-shirt at stewdoesmerch.com. Use the code STU10, save 10%. stewdoesmerch.com.